You're listening to the Sparrows and Wildflowers podcast. Stories of faith, love, life, loss, and eternity. Welcome to episode seven. As always, if you'd like to discuss anything that you hear on the podcast or suggest an interviewee for next time, then send me an email to rachel at victoryonemedia.com. Today's guest is radio journalist and photographer Elise Stratum. Elise and I chat about growing up in rural New South Wales, her career progression to working at the ABC and Triple J, and what it's really like to be a person of faith working in the media. She opens up about dealing with anxiety, having your faith tested by hard questions in life, her photography projects, and much more. This is a really great chat. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Elise Stratum. I grew up in a town called Grafton, uh, which is probably about three and a half hours south of Brisbane and about eight hours north of Sydney, I think. There are all these new highways, so it's a lot quicker now and I haven't mm-hmm. driven up there for a while. Um, but it's an inland town on a river and it's about 40 minutes from the coast town of about 17,000 and yeah I loved it there it was fantastic actually I say that now but at the time when I was growing up it was kind of like oh get me out of here yeah I I felt that life was happening elsewhere and that I was missing out on it Mm. I think I yeah often used to think about what life was like in the city and what my future could be like and I was just eager to to get out there and get on with that but it was a really awesome place to grow up and you know when I visit now I really appreciate it appreciate it I visited about a month ago and was like I love this place why couldn't I see this when I was young because it's it's just visually beautiful there's a lot of trees and the town is is um centered around a really big river and there are a lot of activities happen on the river and it's just um really family friendly and a good size and yeah it's just a beautiful Mm. place so it was fun growing up there I was involved in a lot of sport and did drama and plays and that kind of thing outside of school and I have two brothers and a sister and we lived um, out of town on a property and so we were always getting up to things around where we lived and a lot of life was lived outside and yeah I have really fond memories of growing up there. Nice and when amongst all that did you first discover photography? Well my stepdad uh, was a high school art teacher. Um, My mum married him when I was seven so he's been my dad for most of my life Um, but yeah I have really early memories of him taking us to the school he worked out on the weekends and letting us use the dark room and um, showing us how to you know develop photos and that was really exciting and really I felt really special and lucky to have access to something like that um, mm. and also he converted our laundry into a photography dark room oh, cool. <laughs> much to my mum's annoyance <laughs> I had to do the washing when there's chemicals everywhere and in a huge enlarger but um, yeah so I felt like I was always around photography and cameras mm. um, but I think as a teenager I was more interested in being in front of the camera okay. <laughs> at times but then in my late teens I started just taking photos of friends and at school and school camps and things like that and and it just grew from there and I just sort of had this really um 
strong interest in sort of documenting what was going on in my life. And mm. at that time, there was no way to really share it because like Facebook and um, Instagram were, oh, well, Instagram didn't, didn't exist at that point and Facebook yeah. was relatively new. So I was just taking photos and printing them out and sticking them on my wall. And it wasn't really about sharing them for likes and things like that. But, yeah. um, but that desire to, to document life and the world around me has just stuck. So. Cool. And what are your early sort of memories of God or if not of faith or religion? Yeah, so I went to church from from birth, I guess you could say, uh-huh. a few weeks after I was born. I grew up in church and have been in church all my life. Um, so I think it's just something I just thought was normal and um didn't really question for much of my life Um, but I do have a really strong memory I would have been about five at the time and there was a man who stormed out of a church service I was in and and just said oh this is all a a load of rubbish and and I think at that point I realized that not everyone believes what I believe and that Christianity isn't you know it might not be the thing that everybody um, believes and holds on to so yeah, that kind of stuck with me. So I realised that, yeah, Christianity wasn't, you know, every kid I went to school with didn't go to church and I realised that there was something different um, about people who did. But, yeah, I was just one of those kids who had Christian parents and grew up in church and it was always a part of my life. Mm. Um, but, yeah, as I've, as I've grown up and matured, my faith has definitely grown and been tested and gone up and down and um yeah it's definitely been a journey it's not just like I became a Christian and then everything was fine and yeah. coasted along there's been yeah a lot a lot more to it I'd say yeah definitely so then you obviously came to Sydney from Grafton and then transitioned into the media professionally. Can you talk about that journey? Yeah, sure. So when I was at university in Lismore, which was also northern New South Wales, um, I did a professional placement with ABC North Coast uh, up there. Uh, and that was incredible and invaluable. Uh, I got a lot of experience, you know, working at a professional radio station and um, producing radio. And uh, I feel like that was the thing that sort of got my foot in the door and helped me then get subsequent jobs. Um, My first job in radio after university was at a commercial station back in Grafton, my hometown. Um, And so I was writing and reading news there. Uh, And then I was there for a year and then I got a job at ABC Mid-North Coast in Coffs Harbour and I was there for about 18 months. And I remember on my first day, the journalist in charge sort of sat me down and said, okay, what are your goals? Where do you want to be? And I was like, I want to be a Triple J. And um, she was like, okay, let's make it happen. And so, yeah, it was was my goal to, to... to work in news but for Triple J um, and my boss in Coffs Harbour was very supportive and really helpful and sort of we worked towards that aim and then finally a job came up at Triple J in Sydney and I applied for that and was lucky, lucky enough to get it and then I moved to Sydney five and a half years ago um, and it's been a huge transition when I think back on it. Um, I think, you know, people who 
live in the country or come from regional areas don't like to admit that they were sheltered, but I definitely was. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and so then, yeah, coming to Sydney and meeting all types of people with really different beliefs and worldviews um, was not a shock, but I definitely noticed a stark contrast to what I'd grown up with or, or people mm-hmm. I'd known prior to arriving and then working in a really busy professional newsroom was also a big change because in Coffs Harbour I worked with in an office with two other people that it was very quiet and um much slower paced so yeah it was it was a challenge but I'm really glad I came here and Mm. yeah the last last five years has been a roller coaster but I don't think I'd change anything Nice. So what is it that you love about what you do? I think I love the buzz of the newsroom. I think I like being um, being there when news is breaking and a big story is developing. There's a real rush and it is really exciting. Um, it can be a little frightening at times, especially if it's bad news. Uh, but it's really cool to watch people um, sort of then just like – get to work, trying to confirm details of a story, put together the facts and um, and get this story ready for radio or TV presentation. It's just mm. a real rush to watch that happen. And yeah. Um, yeah, and you do feel like almost privileged in a way to information that other people might not mm. have or might have to wait to get. Um, yeah, so I do enjoy having my finger on the pulse and Mm. and being at the center of it all but that said when I go home I'm not much of a news junkie like some of my colleagues and friends can't put their phone down and are constantly on Twitter Mm. and constantly watching ABC News 24 and, and that kind of thing but I tend to sort of switch off otherwise it just gets too much because obviously news is constant and we have you know constant updates and channels like News 24 just constant news um mm. so it i think i definitely need to escape it at the end of the day and just sort of leave it there and calm my mind and focus on other things that aren't um catastrophic world events or yeah mm. so you're on holiday when you're away yeah i try yeah. to be um because it just it gets too much it just can mm. become yeah as i said really overwhelming so has that um do you think that radio still is sort of at the forefront of yeah having your finger on the pulse uh, given social media and stuff has that changed the way you do things I think it has um I think they work hand in hand though Mm. um often it seems these days Twitter is the first place when news breaks and Mm. people will go to Twitter for updates and for like the latest information. I remember just a few days ago when the news broke of David Bowie's death Mm. um, and on Twitter people were saying, I haven't seen anything about this on the TV news. And like they didn't believe the news because they weren't seeing it on the TV. But I think people need to realize it takes a lot longer to get news to TV than it does to Twitter, Mm. Um, which has its pros and cons because often it can be a little inaccurate or um, in the race to be first. People aren't always Mm. correct. Yeah. (laughs) But I think, I definitely think radio still has a place. Um, And 
even you know in the digital age digital radio is becoming more and more popular people mm. um but people are still driving cars and still um yeah wanting especially in emergencies as well radio mm. is a really great source of information so i don't think it's i don't think it's dead just yet or dying <laughs> no, and, absolutely, um, yeah. yeah so i just i yeah there is a place for radio mm. in the digital age and what do you find most challenging about it? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I can, as I mentioned before, get a bit stressed out with constant news and, and constant bad news. Mm. <laughs> you get a bit much um, when you're, you know, repeating the same story every hour and adding new details to it, mm. especially if it's like a terrible news story. It can just get, yeah, just too much at times. So that can be a challenge to just sort of, step back and and make sure my mental state is in order and that I'm yeah. uh, feeling okay and processing the information that I'm reading. Um, and personally, anxiety has been a really big problem for me. For the first two or one and a half years at Triple J and doing Triple J News, I was fine. And then it just sort of came on really suddenly um, once when I was on air. Um, like a panic attack and oh, wow. that was terrible at the time because I'd never experienced anything like that and didn't know where it had come from or why and then that's been an ongoing struggle for the last few years it's gotten much better and is far more manageable now but for a good year and a half it was a real struggle and um, yeah I just never knew when another panic attack could come on and mm. I never felt that I had control over that situation and just sort of always felt like, oh, it could happen at any moment. And I think that, like, fear of what might happen often brought on the thing that you were worried about. Yeah, so right. it was a bit of a vicious cycle. Um, and then that led me to stepping back from the breakfast news reading job that I was doing, which was a bit more high pressured than other news reading shifts. Mm. Um, and then since, yeah, moving into uh, news reading shifts that aren't as high pressure, things have gotten better and, you know, speaking to a counsellor and just really monitoring mental health and um, just making sure that I'm keeping tabs on that and not just sort yeah. of ignoring it has made a huge difference. And another thing... It's made the biggest difference is just before each bulletin, like just praying and reading little scriptures that I have screenshotted on my phone, um, I found has made the biggest difference in helping me become and knowing that God is with me and in control of this situation mm. no matter what happens. And that has been a real comfort. I feel like that's been really the like I tried so many different things to 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 be calm but I feel like that's the the thing that that has truly worked and and does give me genuine peace so wow that's great Mm. and such an encouragement I think it's such a common um problem that people are now able to to talk about and yeah yeah exactly because mm. I, I think I did I was embarrassed for a while and just sort mm. of thought if I mentioned this to anybody they'll doubt my effectiveness at work and oh, that yeah. you know they'll think that I 
I'm a bit crazy or something mm. like that. You just worry what people will think and what it will mean for your career or position. But yeah, I think it. I just got to a point where I'm like, I definitely need help and I need to talk to people about this and I yeah. need strategies. So, Other than what you've already talked us through, is there a moment or someone you met or a particular news story that stands out as significant from your career so far? Well, not so much a news story that I covered, but that I was in the newsroom for I think mm. the the Martin Place siege um, in December 2014 yeah. was a big one um, I think you know because we constantly hear of terrorist attacks or um, you know things that sound like terrorist attacks all over the world all the time and it's becoming more and more common but I think I felt like it was a real a distant thing it was something that happened overseas it wouldn't happen in Australia it couldn't happen here or yeah, at, at the time, I think when the story first broke, I was quite fearful and, and just was, you know, thinking that it was more than just the actions of one man and that there was a big group involved and I just let my mind <laughs> run away with that story. Yeah. Um, but I think as we learned afterwards that it was just the actions of one man and and maybe not as um, organised as people had first thought but it was still something that really drove home um to me the fact that yeah no one is immune from this growing problem in the world and that yeah it is something that is like it is something that we have to almost get used to and mm. not expect but not be surprised by at the same time so I feel like that was just a really uh, a big shift that news story shifted my view of the world and the world that we're living in and and what yeah. the future could be like which is a bit grim but at the at the same time I think it is important to address that and confront those things and actually think through them and accept the way that things are not in a hopeless way and things will never change and things will only get worse but just to acknowledge the reality of where the world's at mm. um, yeah but then in terms of people I've met and colleagues definitely I like I really admire a lot of the people I work with and their commitment to the job and their I guess commitment to to tell stories and and seek the truth of the story and tell it in um um like a really honest and respectful way and yeah I see examples of that of that every day and people who also tell their stories in a really creative way as well which is mm. quite inspiring stories can be told in a way that people can relate to in a way that humanizes an issue it doesn't just have to be here are the facts mm. this is what happened um i think that's important and something that i admire yeah that must mm. be difficult to achieve too um without i guess in the abc you're aiming to be really Neutral, exactly. So still having that human touch without the opinion or bias. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it definitely doesn't have a place in, you know, um, top of the hour news. But in current affairs, where you can explore mm. an issue a little more, I think there's not. Um, yeah, I think it can be humanized a little yeah. more, but without yeah going into that murky territory of yeah, you know comment and opinion mm. it's interesting what you say about the Sydney siege as well I was actually in Tahiti 
when it happened. And so my husband and I, the only exposure we had was social media. So it was really interesting having that be your only filter. Like I didn't have the radio like I would normally listen to on the way to work. And we didn't really have friends and family to talk with or the site to go visit ourselves. Like it's really interesting just having that lens of people's opinions and reactions. Yeah. Because I think in, in situations like that, everybody wants to have a say and sort of Mm. chime in and things can get really muddied and you don't quite know what's fact and what's Mm. someone uh, yeah and depending who you're friends with and who you follow of course like that's true yeah so it's pretty interesting Mm. going back to your faith you mentioned before that you've sort of matured and been tested and challenged in your faith can you talk about that a little bit and and how it's become a personal reality for you? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, I mentioned that I, I'd grown up in church and been, um, you know, attending since I was born. Um, but I don't think it was until I was uh, 16 and I went on a Christian youth camp mm. called Chrysalis. Um, it was up on the north coast in this little beach town called Evans Head. Uh, I don't think it was until that camp that I really understood the idea of sin and forgiveness and that it related to me. I think I always thought, I'm a good person. Why, like, what's all this talk about sin? I haven't done anything bad. Why should I value, you know, this message of forgiveness and Mm. God's grace so much? What does it really have to do with me? I mean, it's great for people who are drug addicts or might have had, you know, have done all these terrible things that they can be forgiven for by God but what does God have like what do I need to ask forgiveness for I really didn't get it even after 16 years of going to church um and I think on that camp it really hit home like the definition of sin like living your way and rejecting God's way it sort of just made sense to me for the first time and I realized that it was more than just actions. It was attitude as well. Yeah. And, and then I did understand the idea of God being such a holy God that doesn't tolerate any sin at all and how it would be absolutely impossible for me to be a sinless person or someone as holy as him and the need for Jesus to die and to pay that price for our sin um, so that we could be forgiven and, and be in relationship with God. It, yeah, it was just something that came together to me for me at that camp and it was a real moment of sort of just breaking and um, just being so sorry for my attitude and my assumptions and um, but then just so thankful that God does love me and, and loves all of us and that he went to the lengths of sending Jesus to die for us so that we could be in relationship with him. And, yeah, just that understanding of grace is nothing that I deserved and could ever do anything to earn or or receive, um, but just knowing that it was freely given um, and that I just had to respond to that was just a huge thing for me at that point. Mm. So... Yeah, that really stands out as a significant sort of turning point for me. Also at that camp, I met 
some really great um, friends who were the same age as me and I sort of never had Christian friends who were the same age or a lot younger or older but it was great to have this group of people who were sort of at the same stage of life as me and even though we didn't live in the same town kept in touch and they were really encouraging in the in the years that passed and one of them is my best friend still her name's Taryn and yeah it's just really cool that we could meet there at that time of life and stay in touch mm. and, and be best friends but yeah as time's gone on I think like growing up I, th- I think I saw life as you're a Christian and you believe xyz you're not a Christian and you believe xyz I felt it was really sort of cut and dried and um, very clear but then as time's gone on <laughs> I realized that life is not so black and white um, that there is a lot of gray um, and yeah as I grow older and experience more in life I think um, it raised certain questions um, about what it means to be a Christian and what I believe and how to live it out and how to live in response to God's grace. Um, and I think, yeah, there have definitely been times where I haven't been able to answer the questions that I've been struggling with. Um, for example, when I moved to Sydney, I think it was the first time, <laughs> which sounds so silly because I was like 26 or something, um, but it was the first time I had engaged in things like feminism and um, the idea of same-sex marriage and even like sort of mental health and depression and anxiety and that sort of thing. I'd never really engaged with these issues or, or looked at them through a Christian lens or just really thought twice about them, which mm. sounds so ignorant. But uh, when I moved to Sydney and um, worked started working at the ABC and met people from all walks of life with different beliefs. I was sort of forced to, yeah, really engage with these issues and think about them and think about my stance and that kind of thing. And, yeah, there were definitely times where I thought, I don't know, how does this fit with what I what I believe and what the Bible says? And there have definitely been times of confusion. But I feel, and I feel like that's ongoing. <laughs> I don't really have mm-hmm. answers to some questions. Um, but I think maybe the worst thing I could do was just is just throw my hands up in the air and say, oh, I don't know what I believe. I'm, I'm just going to forget about church and God for a while. And I don't know, because it, it doesn't, I can't reconcile it with mm. these other beliefs. So I think it, it would be easy to do that, but I, like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so while I don't have the answers to certain things, I feel it is really important to keep going to church, keep hanging out with Christian people who are further ahead in their journey than me and might know more about the Bible and what God says about certain things and um, theology and and to keep learning and, uh, yeah, just not throw that away because I can't answer certain questions. Mm. Um, But it is a struggle. Like, it's, yeah, I used to think it wasn't that hard to live as a Christian, but more and more I think it is it's, yeah. it's becoming so countercultural um, that it is it is hard to do it is mm. a challenge do you think these things that you're experiencing are just part of growing up and maturing in Christianity or do you think it's partially to do with like um, I guess experiencing church and God in the country versus the city or yeah I think that would definitely be a part of it and I think like the church I go to now there are lots of young people and a lot of the things that we talk about 
do relate to life as a young person or um, or as a person with um, a young family. So a lot of the issues that um, we do talk about are sort of, yeah, current and relevant to, to life now and life in the city. Yeah, yeah, whereas perhaps in the country things were a bit more general and specific issues weren't always addressed. But, yeah, I definitely think it's part of growing up. Mm. I just think that was delayed because I was just living this idyllic country life and, <laughs> and just didn't really engage with... Even when I was at university, like, I just hung out with other students who were Christians and went to my church. And while all of these ideas and things were swirling around us, I just I think I just sort of closed myself off and mm-hmm. was a bit scared to, you know... To have an not an argument, but to to speak to someone who had really different beliefs to me, because I just didn't know if I'd had the answers, and I just thought, oh, maybe they'll, I don't know, maybe they'll, I'll see some sense to what they're saying, and I'll, you know, question what I believe, and so I think I avoided situations like that. But now I've come to realize you can't avoid them forever, mm-hmm. and it's really good to, yeah, actually think through what you believe and why you believe it, mm-hmm. and how it relates to the world around you are you able to articulate what it is that anchors you like you were talking about how you could just throw your faith out the window but despite not being able to reconcile everything you don't so what is it that anchors you in there I think on one level it's the knowledge that I hold to so firmly that God made the world and he made me and I just see that as like such a fundamental truth to me that um, I can't ever sort of deny that um, that he is God and I am not. Mm. And yeah, I think, I know that sounds basic, but just believing that mm. uh, just... That that's reality. That that's yeah. reality, yeah. yeah. That it, I don't think I could ever sort of stop believing that. And then on the other hand, there's the personal relationship I have with God, which can sound so strange to people who sort of haven't really um, thought about God as being someone you can have a relationship with. Mm. Um, but that personal relationship with God is so a part of my day-to-day and when I wake up and when I go to sleep and it's just, it's sort of who I am. And so the idea of just, I don't know, sort of turning my back on God or Christianity or my relationship with God, at times it feels like I just couldn't physically or like I couldn't do it like it just wouldn't even be possible Mm. but then at other times yeah I really do like pray and think that God and ask God to to really hold me firmly in his hand because I do sort of worry that I I could just sort of be swept away or just swept up in I don't know other ways of thinking or other ways of living and yeah I think there's an old hymn where it talks about like how our hearts are sort of prone to wander and just ask that God would keep us yeah really close to him so it is something I do 
have to keep asking him. Mm. But then I wonder if like, if I'd become a Christian later in life, I never had had this sort of whole 20 years or whatever, not knowing God or anything about Christianity, whether that would be different. And I'm not sure. I'm just thankful that I have had that as part of my life for so long. Mm. Even though it's grown and changed and been tested and all yeah. of that along the way. I just, yeah, I feel like it is this fundamental thing that just underlines everything. And yeah, no matter what happens, that will always be there. I'm wondering, you know, I think a, a lot of Christians might have the perspective or even religious people in general that it's uh, difficult to have a strong faith and be in the media. Mm. Are you able to talk about your experience in that regard? Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I think you definitely do come up against people who have really different beliefs and really strong beliefs to the contrary. Um, I've worked with two guys who were quite vocal atheists, um, which has been difficult. We never had, like, trouble with our relationship but then I guess we weren't super close. Perhaps the closer you are to someone with differing beliefs, the harder it can be. But I think um, everyone I work with is quite respectful and tolerant, which is helpful. Um, and so I haven't really come up against too much opposition or um, you know, personal attacks or anything like that. But then sometimes I think maybe that's because I'm not super vocal about what I believe. And if there is a conversation about something, um, I might just sit there and observe and listen to what people are saying instead of jumping in with, with what I believe about that situation, which is something I guess I need to get better at, perhaps. Um, yeah, but it hasn't been as hard as perhaps it is made out to be. But yeah, as I mentioned with some of those issues like feminism and same-sex marriage and and even people's views on Christianity and um, all of last year while the Royal Commission into uh, Sexual Abuse was going on, mm-hmm. um, a lot of churches came before the commission and there were a lot of examples of um, church leaders who would uh, abuse their positions and um, were involved in sexual assault of children or not reporting assault and all of that kind of thing which ah, it's, it's so hard to listen to because you know it gives Christianity such a bad name and it, you know people then just say oh the church is so corrupt and so hypocritical and it's hard to listen to to conversations like that um so there are definitely challenges and times where you feel on the outer and times where I've felt that if I do speak up and say what I think that I'll just sort of be rejected by my colleagues or just sort of disregarded but on the whole most people as I said are quite tolerant and respectful and acknowledge that there are a range of beliefs and that mm. I may not believe what they believe and that's okay, we can still be friends and um, yeah, have a relationship. Nice. 
And just in general, do you have advice for people who would like to be in the kind of role and career that you're in? Yeah, sure. Um, It is difficult and perhaps becoming more difficult to get a traditional role but you know as a journalist or a radio journalist or a tv journalist or a print journalist um but the positions are definitely still there for example the abc offers cadetships every year for young people who would like to be radio or tv journalists or online journalists can't forget the online world that's a big part of it as well um but i think yeah taking the initiative to sort of get things started yourself is really important. Um, Mm. It's not enough just to have your degree and then assume, oh, I have this arts degree or whatever, I can get a job in the media. I think um, employers really look for people who, yeah, have taken initiative themselves. Um, Things like volunteering at community radio or, you know, starting a blog and um, sort of writing opinion pieces for online news outlets, that kind of thing. Like just getting yourself out there and sort of making things happen for yourself and not just sort of thinking you can walk into a job because experience is so, so important. And I know it's really hard to get experience when you're just out of uni or actually at uni but yeah there are opportunities there if you sort of take a bit of initiative yourself which Mm. is hard to do because it involves time and money that you might not have and Mm. you know you're not getting paid a lot of the time and it's a thankless task but I think it is worth it in the end Mm. um yeah I did a lot of community radio while I was at uni and in the year after uni, which was quite helpful. And I was taking photos for um, online music websites um, and writing for them as well. And all of that was just sort of volunteer work and Mm. no money, but great for building up a portfolio. Mm. So you obviously are a photographer as well and got couple of blogs and projects there can you talk about that yeah sure so uh photography is something I've been interested in for quite a while um I yeah as I said earlier just sort of uh used to document my life and things that my friends were getting up to and just uh that kind of thing but then as my interest in photography grew was about the same time my interest in music was growing and I was going along to gigs and I'd see the photographers up front who were taking um, photos of the show and I was like I want to do that I want to be up there and so um, I sort of sent uh, work that I'd done to various uh, online blogs and, and music websites and just asked if I could shoot for them and some said no some never got back to me and, and others said yes and they're like okay here's a media pass to this gig do what you can and cool. so yeah just started out shooting gigs and then I started working as an assistant with a wedding photographer who was based up near Byron Bay and that was that was so great I learned so much from him and um that really sort of built my skills and helped me develop as a photographer because obviously at a wedding uh you've just got to work with whatever you've got you can't really control the situation uh and things only happen once you can't ask people to redo their kiss once they become (laughs) man and wife or anything like that um so yeah it's it's a really 
great training ground as a photographer, I think. Um, and so, yeah, I was doing weddings and doing gigs and then just shooting my life around me and putting it online blogs and that kind of thing and in 2011 I went to the US for three months to do a photojournalism course at the International Center of Photography and that was a real turning point for me I think at that point I wasn't sure what direction I wanted to go in with photography or what kind of photography I wanted to focus on but that really helped me see that documentary and photojournalism was was the direction I wanted to head in Um, and when I got back to Australia um, a little while after that I started this project that I've been working on for the last three and a bit years called Small Town Girl where I photograph teenage girls in small towns um, in Australia, the US and South Africa. Um, So that was just something I was interested in and thought oh I might as well just start this and see where it goes. I had no real sort of goals or timeline or idea of what I wanted it to become um but just slowly but surely it's just sort of taken over my life and uh, yeah it has become this thing that I'm super passionate about and really want to pursue and and do more of and um yeah it's become a bit of a big thing and and yeah photography is is the thing that I'm compelled to do and love doing so much and feel the most me when I'm doing um it's something that I think I can pursue and um and keep doing for the rest of my life and never get sick of and yeah I love that it really excites me to have that thing that I just love so much and just want to do and that thing that fulfills me and brings me so much joy Mm. and with the small town girl project is it with that sort of born out of your own experience yeah yeah definitely yeah so growing up in Grafton with a population of about 17,000 which isn't super small but isn't definitely isn't big city or a regional center by any means um I think when I moved to the city I did see that you know other girls who I met had had quite different experiences growing up Um, living in the city and uh, I just really wanted to sort of revisit that time of life of growing up in Grafton as a teenager and the things that I did and um, I think I obviously I couldn't go back there myself so I wanted to almost experience and relive that period of time and that place through other girls who were in the midst of their teenage years uh, at that time and so that's how it started out, but it's become so many more things as it's gone on. And um, I feel like I've learnt so much more as it's gone on. And it's just, yeah, taken shapes that I didn't think it would. Um, I started out shooting in Australia, but then I thought it'd be interesting to shoot in the US because that was the country that um, as a child and teenager, I, I sort of idolized and wanted I just wanted to be an American kid I think because I just watched a lot of American TV shows and things like that and Mm. I thought they all went to summer camp and did the things (laughs) they do in the movies but it's not all like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah I ended up going to the US twice and photographing eight or, or nine girls during that time and it's just been so good like I feel so privileged to sort of have this insight and to be welcomed into these families you know, I'm just some girl from Australia with a camera who they saw, you know, I, I did a blog post saying I'm coming to America and I'd like to photograph you and if you're interested, get in touch. And cool. 
it's just all worked out in a really lovely way and I hope it can continue. Is there a certain person you met through that or an experience or a story that stands out for you? Yeah, I think um, there was a girl I stayed with in Texas. Her name's Maya and she's African-American. And in the lead up to my stay with her, I wasn't even sure if it was going ahead. Our correspondence was a bit patchy and she kind of replied just with one line to emails and I never quite knew whether her parents knew what it was about and if they were okay with it or what. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know, I think I just didn't have high hopes and thought, oh, this one won't come off, it'll, it'll fall through for sure. And then I turned up and there she was at the airport with her mum waiting for me and um, they took me back to their place and it just ended up being this really awesome week with this great girl, Maya, who, um, as myself and many other teenagers struggle with just kind of forming an identity and not really fitting in with her family and not really fitting in with the other kids at school, um, but just like such an amazing girl with all these really, um, really interested in um, obscure books and music and she introduced me to all these bands and uh, just sort of taught me so much. And whereas other people had sort of just written her off and gone, oh, she's so weird. I think maybe just that experience of having someone come and hang out with you with no real expectations and just give you a chance to be yourself and tell them about yourself. I think it was a really amazing experience for both of us. And at the end of the week, she like gave me a big hug and she's like, this has been the best week of my life. And I was like, wow, I just couldn't believe that I'd made it had made such an impact and not saying it was anything I did, but it was just that simple, yeah, act of giving someone the time of day and really making an effort to get to know them and let them be themselves. It just had a really profound impact. And as I said, it was super simple and anyone could do it. But yeah, you just don't think to do that or you don't have the time to do that with other people. Um, but it just made me see just how important that is mm. <laughs> and how much of a difference that can make to someone's life. I'm wondering if you have a particular Bible verse or story that is significant for you that you'd want to share. Yeah. Well, I mentioned before that um, in struggling with anxiety, it's really been helpful just to simply pray before I read a news bulletin and um, have some Bible verses screenshotted on my phone so that I can just read over them and be reminded before I put myself in a situation that in the past has been anxiety inducing Mm -hmm. Um, and so one of those is from Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 and I'll read it out because I always mix it up when I'm saying it from memory but it says do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and I think that's a verse that I have have heard a lot and you know people just sort of toss it around for someone who is going through a stressful time or is worried about things but it just really sort of hit home when I have been struggling with anxiety and really became real for me and I love that bit about the peace of God which transcends all understanding that's just so comforting to me and Mm -hmm. so 
I don't know. It's just, yeah, that, that has been, it's really been significant for me. And, um, and the idea of God guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus is just like so comforting and so calming. And, um, yeah, so that's been a really helpful verse for me. And then also 1 Peter three eighteen. um, that Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And I think that just really easily and sort of succinctly sums up the Christian message and mm. um, in just like a sentence. It's just like such a great thing to be able to cling to and remember. Um, and that idea, yeah, that that Jesus' death was once and for all people and don't need to continue working for for God's forgiveness because it's already been done and um, that Jesus has already died on the cross and that's um, been the sacrifice that that was needed to to atone for our sin. And, yeah, I think that's as well really comforting and really reassuring and, and something I hold on to. So to finish on then, what are your hopes and dreams for the future? So when I was younger, I think I was always someone who had goals and was was working towards something, whether it was a job or um, a, yeah, just a travel destination or something like that. I always had um, clear goals and things that I was working towards, but now I don't really feel like I have the clearest of goals, um, but I just want to live a life that is centered on other people and getting to know them and their stories and just having understanding and connection between people because I've just seen in the past time and time again how powerful that is and how empowering that is as well. Um, And so, yeah, if I can just keep living a life like that and especially through photography, if that can sort of be the key to meeting new people and hearing their stories and, um, and learning from them, then that would be great. Sparrows and Wildflowers is brought to you by Victory One Media and hosted by Rachel Simpson with artwork by Nicola Gibb.